morning, we want to talk about what God blesses. That is a great question to ask. What is it that God will bless? It is, after all, his universe. And wouldn't it be wise to know the kinds of things that the creator of the universe wishes to bless? Well, Psalm 1 is a great text to consider to launch this kind of conversation. So let me just read this psalm to you. It's only six verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So what a contrast. Obedience to the will and ways of God as expressed in his word will lead to prosperity. But rebellion against God, as expressed in his word, will lead to judgment. That's the simple principle of what God blesses. He blesses alignment with him, obedience to his word, being regulated by the word of God. That's what God blesses. Now, here's a simple illustration, an example of this. In 1824, the Glasgow Missionary Society established the Lovedale Mission Station in the Cape Province of South Africa. The local community was rife with slave trading, tribal warfare, and primitive barbarism. Nevertheless, the Scottish Presbyterians sought to evangelize the local community for over 40 years. And let me stress again, they sought to evangelize. That's all they sought to do was evangelize. As a result, they saw little fruit. Forty years later, in 1867, the Missionary Society decided to cut its losses and abandon the station. Around the same time, a young man by the name of James Stewart arrived in South Africa. He was another British. The uh, Scottish Presbyterians are also part of Great Britain. And he arrives in South Africa with a vision to help develop commercial enterprises in Africa. He didn't come down there to evangelize. He came down there to do business. So quickly he realized that the people did not have enough basic life and work skills to be able to function in commercial organizations. They were very primitive. So he proposed to turn the Lovedale Mission Station into a school to educate and train the indigenous population. The Glasgow Missionary Society granted him the use of the facility. And for the next 38 years, Stuart, taught the people biblically how to live. He taught them how to think from a Christian worldview. He taught them how to make make wagons, how to process food, how to build roads, you know, how to print literature, how to care for horses, you know, how to run homes, how to make clothing, et cetera, et cetera. He just taught them life skills. And as he did this, he explained to them about the creator of the universe who created these various means and methods for improving the well-being of humanity. And he, over time, they were all brought to Christ. 
the chaotic society was transformed into a productive God-honoring community that impacted all of South Africa. It was so successful that Nelson Mandela, many years later, would declare James Stewart to be a model Christian. The 40-year effort to evangelize by the Glasgow Missionary Society was virtually fruitless because they focused on evangelism. When you focus on evangelism, you will miss the mark. The charge of Christianity is not evangelism. It is discipleship. That is much harder, harder, much longer, much more comprehensive. Evangelism passes today for little more than saying the sinner's prayer and getting baptized and you've evangelized someone. That is not disciple them. Discipling takes years and years and years of training and, and accountability and growing and learning and trial and error, but all of it regulated by the word of God. It doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen overnight. And so the Glasgow Missionary Society didn't really understand this. They were products of the Great Awakening. They were trying to go save the world. This is a very common mindset today. We're not here to save the world. We're here to play the role that God's called us to play in his meta narrative. And he will redeem those whom he's chosen through our faithful service to him. And that is serving him by being his stewards, by doing what he's called us to do according to his will and his ways. It just shows you the power of Christianity when you properly practice Christianity. And you see that what comes from this is wealth as a byproduct. Wealth is the fruit of obedient to and alignment with God and his will as expressed through his word. That's what this whole story testifies to. Wealth is from God. So the maxim here for gaining blessing from God is obedience. Deuteronomy 28 is the record of the Israelites getting ready to pass into the promised land after 40 years of in the wilderness, meager living. Um, but this was their purging. And now they're ready to go into the land of abundance. And God tells them, this is how you're going to enjoy my blessing. Blessing comes through obedience. And I'm going to just read the underlying portion of this text in Deuteronomy 28. It says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of the, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now see, all of this happens if you will faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God. You see Deuteronomy 28 verse one, I just read part of that. It says, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall be upon you and overtake you. Did you, <clears throat> you ever thought of yourself about being overtaken with blessing? Well, that happens when you become obedient. Obedience opens the door for blessing. Now, don't hear this as a as a tit for tat, that if I do this, God's going to do that. That's really not the sense of it. What he's saying here is, is blessing, not only tangible, but intangible blessings flow from obedience. And intangible blessings are always there. T 
tangible blessings may sometimes be there. Tangible blessings are not nearly as important as intangible blessings. The blessings of God that come from obedience to him leads to life. It leads to transcendent life, whereas tangible blessings have only have value in this life. So intangible blessings are far more important, but the, the maxim is the same in both. You get the way to blessing in life is through obedience to God. Now, the enemy of blessing is always disobedience. And probably the greatest enemy today, the greatest way of disobedience in the world today, particularly among the Christian community, is the wrong gospel. The wrong gospel is the moralistic, therapeutic, deism gospel, MTD, as it's popularly known. This was developed, uh, this theory of MTD was developed in 2005 by social workers studying Christian communities, trying to understand what they believed. And so here's a, a quick summary by Albert Moeller of the MTD message. MTD consists of beliefs like these. A God who exists, who created and ordered the world and watches over human life, that that God wants people to be good, nice and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. And God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life, except when needed to solve a problem. Finally, good people go to heaven when they die. That is the MTD gospel. It's a gospel about man. It's a narcissistic gospel, a self-centered gospel about God choosing to, to obey us and make our lives pleasant, comfortable, convenient, and easy. It's about just living the life you want to live. The American dream is an expression of the MTD gospel. American dream is commonly understood is you want to work as hard as you can to make as much money as fast as you can so you can retire as soon as you can. So you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it. And no one tells you what to do. That is the American dream. That's what's touted in most of the financial services companies. They don't, most financial services companies that I've seen do not call you in and counsel you in how to die to self to serve the purpose of God with your finances. They call you in to try to figure out what you want to do, and then they try to support it with their investment philosophies. And it's built on this MTD thinking. And we have to be very quick to recognize how erroneous this is. First and foremost, you know, Christianity is moralistic, but it is not like all other world religions. It has a value system very different from other world religions. It is a unique value system. It is a Christian value system. It is the only value system that will really work in this universe. Secondly, therapeutic. Well, while you can have joy in the Lord, you've got to understand what that is. It's not the same as happiness. Most people want to be happy, which that has to do with happenings. They want happenings that make them happy. But when you have joy, it doesn't matter what your happenings are. You can be at peace with God and you can have joy before God in the midst of suffering and pain. So it's very different. It's not therapeutic in the sense of which most people think of it as therapeutic. And deistic, deism is a, a view that developed in the 18th century as a compromise between the rationalists that were becoming very popular at that time and the theist. It's a way to meet the two. The rationalists were quickly becoming atheists 
And the theists obviously are theists, not atheists. And so how do you put the two together? And deism was invented as a way to put it together. And deism simply says, God created everything, put all the rules of the universe in place, and then he walked away and left it us, up to us to live the way we want to live. So he's not personal. He's not engaged. He's out there. Now, the MTD view of God is that, yeah, he's basically impersonal and out there, but we can call on him to help him solve, help, help him. I've asked him to help us solve our problems. So that's kind of the limit of it. He's not really engaged with us. He's just there kind of like a genie in a bottle. So this is the MTD message. According to the 2005 research and subsequent research, that is the most common view of the gospel in Christian communities today. Sadly, this has been embraced widely in the Christian community. And with it, there are corollaries with it. And the corollary of this message is what is the connection between God and wealth or the blessings of God and wealth? Is there any connection? And that, that's a great question. Most people believe the connection is that, that God will, you know, solve our problems for us and he will make us wealthy so we can do what we want to do. That's how they want to connect the dots. Sadly, that is not the way God works. Deism assumes a disconnected God and atheism assumes no God, but, the, but Christianity assumes a sovereign, intentional, strategic God. Very different. He uses wealth to accomplish his purpose. Wealth is not to be used to do our will. It's to be used to do his will, his purpose, his agenda for his glory. So the blessing of God comes from truly knowing him and being obedient to him. And prosperity that comes to us is a tool to enable us to know him and obey him. Prosperity is not intended primarily to make our life easy and comfortable or to live the American dream? Or is it to support our agenda and accomplish our will? Nor is it to enable us to be healthy and wealthy? Well, those are nice things to have. That's not the real agenda. The primary objective for blessing and prosperity is to enable us to do the will of God. Philippians 1 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That means as long as I'm alive, everything is filtered through what is it that Christ wants to do with my time, my talent, my treasure, whatever technology he's given me, what does he want me to do with it? What would please him? What would honor him? What would bring glory to him? It's never about me. It's always about him. And if I die, that's gain. That's very different thinking. I don't know how long it took the Apostle Paul to get to this point where he could say that and be truthful about it, but he got there. And that should be the objective for all of us is to get there where the will of God is our chief agenda. It is our only agenda. Everything else plays second fiddle. Nothing is more important than the will of God. And so we look at resources, financial resources, as a tool to obey God. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that the Lord would give us a quiet and peaceable life. First Timothy chapter two, verses one and two tells us that that's OK. He's, Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. 
for kings and for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with praying that. But this is not what we worship. This is not our ultimate end. Our ultimate end is obedience to God wherever it takes us, even if it takes us to suffering and pain, even if it takes us to a place of losing all that we have or all that we think we have. We have to think bigger. We have to think biblically. We have to think Christianly. And that's the challenge. Now, God uses mechanisms to bless us to extend his blessing to us. And one of those ways he does that is through licit work. Blessing comes through licit work. Licit work is work that is consistent with, with the character and nature of God. For example, being a thief is not consistent with the nature of God. You know, being in the business that promotes sin in some way is not consistent with the nature of God. We have to be looking at what we do. In the book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, the writer there researched the first 300 years of Christianity to understand how the Christian church functioned and really more fundamentally how it survived in a very toxic environment. It's amazing Christianity survived, but it did, and it prospered during that time. Well, one of the reasons it did was because how the Christian community met. They met only in private settings, never public meetings, and only by invitation only, and the invitation was only extended to those that the leaders believed showed evidence in their lives that they truly were Christians. So if you were to come to Christ and go to someone and and say, you look, I, I, uh, I think I've come to Christ. I believe you're a Christian. I want to go to attend your gathering. The answer would be no, you may not go. The reason you can't go is it's a private meeting only for those who have been vetted by the leaders. And so they need to get to know you. They need to know, they see evidence that you truly have been born again. And so that would start a process. And one of the first questions that they would ask you is, what is your vocation and who are your friends? You see, you had to have a licit vocation and you had to have the right friends to be considered possibly a Christian. You wouldn't even be considered if you had a, an illicit vocation or you had bad friends. That's a knockout. You know, you, that was that immediately eliminated you from consideration. But if you had illicit vocation and you had you had good friends then they may consider you. See, that's an example of how Christians historically have understood this. They've recognized how important it is to do licit work. Licit work is work aligned with the will and the ways of God. It's work that God has ordained, work that God has called into existence. He wants this to happen. Illicit work is a distortion of good work. It is sin. It is not consistent with the character and nature of God. So here's a few texts to consider. Matthew 6.33, a very popular, well-known text. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You see, when we seek the kingdom, which is the will of the king, and we seek to do it righteously, that's the ways of the king. He said, I'm going to take care of your needs. Whatever you need to do my will, my ways, I'll, I'll fund it. Genesis likes to say God funds his will. And that is true. God funds his will. 
There's never a lack to do the will of God in the kingdom of God. There's never a lack. We may think there's a lack. We may perceive there's a lack, but there's not a lack. We just can't necessarily see it. So one of the things we must do is recognize, are we really working in licit work? Are we doing the work that God has, that God says is consistent with him? And is that work what he's called us to do? It's not just doing righteous work, but it's being called to do that specific righteous work. So that's what this text is telling us here. The licit work is work totally aligned with the will and the ways of the king. Proverbs eleven eighteen tells us that the wicked man earns deceptive wages. You may be able to go out and do work illicitly in some way, either work you're not called to do and or work done contrary to the ways of God. Either way, you might be able to do that and earn money, but it's deceptive. But if you sow righteousness, that is you do licit work, and you do it according to the ways of God, then that is righteousness and you will reap a sure reward. Proverbs 13, 21 says, misfortune pursues the sinner. You see, when we start thinking about blessing, we think about organizations and building organizations, we want people who are aligning with God in the organization because when you hire people who are not, you're hiring a sinner, someone who's given over to sin is a sinner. That's the sense of it here. It doesn't mean that that Christians don't sin. That's not the sense. The sense is that someone who's given over to sin and does not know the Lord, then what's going to happen if you hire that person is what the Proverbs say are misfortune. It's a, you've a way to say that they are not going to enjoy the blessing of God. They will not have the favor of God. They will have judgment on them. And if you've hired them, that judgment's going to touch your company and your your customers, the people that you work with. It's going to touch everyone in your sphere, which is why it's so important that we hire people who are seeking to align with the will and ways of God through their work. That is, they, they do licit work. So just in a quick summary here, the key to enjoying the blessing of God to living where God blesses is always to align with him. His will and then his will done his ways. It's not just his will. It's also his ways. It's not just his ways. It's also his will. Specifically, what has he called you to do and how has he called you to do it? And implicit with how he's called you to do it or the ways of God will be the timing of God, the location of God, the methodologies of God, all of these things that are defined and regulated first by scripture and secondarily by by specific revelation as God leads and guides you where he wants you to go and in what he wants you to do. Blessing comes through obedience. This is the way forward. This is a way to righteous living. This is the way to prospering in the Lord at whatever level of prosperity you, you're given. And by the way, the level of prosperity you need is simply whatever you need to do what you're called to do. That's what you need. And God will fund that. You can count on him for that. You can trust him for that. You can be at peace for that. And you can know that by simply pursuing him, his will, 
done his ways for his glory, then there will be favor and blessing. This is the way to live. This is the way to work. May we have grace to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.